When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to another exciting edition of the Pointless Exercise Podcast. It's time to remember this crap about the Washington... Don't call us the Redskins or the football team. We are... are The Commodores? The Commodes? No, the Commanders. I'm just going to call them the Commodes because it's it's more fun. So with me as always to talk about crap and why you can't talk about crap without a commode... It's Mike Donahue. Mike, through that. Good, Andy. I think, oddly enough, I don't think it's uh, it's problematic to actually remember this crap about the Washington Redskins. But um, no, we're remembering we what could, they were. We have right. to. It would be uh, we'd be ignoring their their proud history of racism. <laughs> really, from Jump Street too, as we'll get into. Yeah, because Redskins uh, was not even their first nickname. And Washington was not their first city. They were the Boston Braves. Just like the baseball team, just like a lot of NFL teams would more or less do they, back then. They moved They moved to D.C. They changed their name to the Redskins. And for the last 20 years, everybody yelled at them and said, why don't you change that awful nickname? And probably because they were getting yelled at, they refused to do it. Yeah, just got a little strident. So you would think their um, their second coach ever, yes, their first coach, of course, was the great Lud Ray. I think everybody remembers Lud, L U D, great name. Mm. There's that was one of the Boston Braves. The next year, they became the Boston Redskins, and their coach was Lone Star Dietz. Yes, Is that right. Yes, Lone Star. Then later in life little bit of controversy when it turned out that this proud Native American who coached the Redskins, not actually Native American. He was just pretending. Oh, you're kidding. Yes. Pretended to be an Indian and he wasn't. Yeah, I will, I will, I will say that it would not have been outlandish to have um, uh, indigenous Americans, Native Americans playing football because um, as we, of course, know Jim Thorpe was a multi-sport Olympic athlete, but uh, uh, a lot of these company teams that the NFL sort of emanated from in those small Midwestern Rust Belt cities like Green Bay and Canton and uh, you know Portsmouth, Ohio, uh, there were Indian teams. Carlisle Indians, I believe, uh, was one. There were, Will- there were a few of them. William Henry Dietz, good old Lone Star, played at Carlisle with Jim Thorpe. Oh, no kidding. Yes. I did not know that. I didn't mean to. And that's why people just assumed he was an employee and briefly claimed to attend Oklahoma's Chiloco Indian Agricultural School. And he went to Carlisle Indian School in Pennsylvania. He was a star player. He also went on to coach uh, in college for Washington State, Purdue, Louisiana Tech, the University of Wyoming, and, of course, Hask- the Haskell Institute, now known as Haskell Indian Nations University. Okay, so it sounds like he was not just co-opting. So he really leaned into it. Remember, it's not a yeah. lie if you believe it. 
Well, whether or not he was truly uh, of you know Native American blood, he seemed rather unhesitant about exploiting um, exploiting it. Being a mascot. Hey, look at he's our mascot. He's our coach. Well, it's kind of like the um, weren't the Cleveland Indians. Like at one point, they were the they were the Naps, right? That was in honor of Napoleon Lajouet. Their manager. But yep. didn't they also, they claimed they called themselves the Indians because of, and I'm going to forget the guy's first name, but Sakalexis? I have not, I'm not Louis familiar Sakalexis. No. He was an actual Native American. He was a Penobscot. And he played for the Indians, and uh, for a while, let's see. Um, Did he have a cartoonishly ridiculous red nose and... Uh, yeah, they, he was actually he he was always smoking a cigar, yeah, right? Um. Well, you could you know, one of the defenses for the Redskin logo, as opposed to Chief Wahoo, which you know was that it, just like uh, uh, the Black Hawk logo, it's it, it's a regal sort of representation. I mean, I'm not I'm not advocating either way. I'm just as a point of fact, it's not uh, it's not Chief Wahoo. Oh, you didn't. You didn't think you thought Chief Wahoo was offensive? I didn't say offensive. Far from any sort of a real representation, and the uh, the the whole uh, Blackhawks um, um, respect the Indian, and you know you can't you can't step on it in the middle of the locker room. It's like you know how you can keep people from stepping on your logo. Don't put it on the floor. Hang it on the wall like everybody else. Don't put it on the floor. Nobody can step on it. Right. I mean, even accidentally. Never, that never understood commi- that. Let's make it a yeah, pain well. in the ass to walk across our locker room. Let's put the let's put the logo right in the middle of it and tell no tell everybody they can't step on it. Oh. So yeah, so the Redskins got off to a flying start right from the very right from the very beginning. You know, in the, in those early days, we've actually gone down the history rabbit hole. The Bears, of course, were pretty much always an elite team. The first. Uh, at least the first 25 years of the 30 years. I mean, more or less half century, you know, if you size it up. And in these days, uh, the Giants and the Redskins were pretty much the uh, the main competition in the East. The Bears and the Packers, I guess, the Lions would become out of their division. Uh, so in pretty short order, I think the 35, 30 says 36, bought, the last year they were in Boston, they lost the championship. Pretty sure they lost to Green Bay. And then they Motherfuckers came into Wrigley Field, unless I'm mistaken, in 37 and uh, upset the Bears, who may have been undefeated uh, until that happened, but it could, that could have happened in 1942 instead. Um, they basically, as we've established, the Bears' true golden era would be the early 40s, between 1940 and 47. I think they won uh, four championships, played in five, six out of the seven years. And that would also happen to sort of coincide with the Redskins' first sort of truly golden era till they also reemerged when the Bears did in the 80s. So um, as it turned out, the Bears and Redskins played each other, what, one, two, three, I think three or four times between 37 and uh, I guess it would be 43. And they were only – Bears. they were two and two, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, between – yeah, they played, uh, let's see. 
Yeah, the, the first year they moved to Washington after they lost to the Packers as the Boston Redskins in 36, they won it all. That was their first NFL championship. And, uh, and just point of fact, it did happen to take place at Wrigley Field. Just another another point to Wrigley for its historical. Uh, yeah, they, well, they played in the championship four times between 37 and 43. Um, Bears, Bears got the revenge on the 37 game, though. Yeah. Bears lost in 37, 28, 21. Then they won a squeaker in 40, 73 to nothing. And then they lost in 42, and the Bears... No, they won in 42. Right? Oh, no, you're right. They yeah, lost, lost in 42. 42. Right, and then the Bears came back and whooped them 41-21 in 43. That would have been the Bears' uh, third title in four seasons, which is elite. Not too many teams have uh, ever really done that. And uh, they would win another one two years later, which would be uh, four championships in six years. There it is, kids. That's your Bears golden era. Just yep. uh, we're examining the Redskins because, like I said, it, it intersects with them. Yeah, they were rivals from from the early days. Also, the first two franchises to, uh, I believe, the Redskins get credit for because George Preston Marshall was some. Uh, you know, I think he was a borderline Southern Yahoo, so he probably had college football in his blood, and so he was big on the sort of showmanship there. Ooh, the first team to have a fight song. Hail to the Redskins. Hail to the Redskins. And, uh, and Hallis was shortly uh, – had, had, had somebody – I don't know if you – if it was apocryphal, if Ed McCaskey had something to do with – I don't think so. Bear down, or Bear down Chicago Bears. But Bears and Redskins, first two teams in the fight song. Uh, Redskins were the first. I can't imagine George paying. Well, I can't imagine George paying for anything, but I really can't imagine him paying Ed. So he, no, if Ed, if Ed well, did yeah. it, if Ed did it, story, it was voluntary because right. uh, no, the, the, the story, old man yeah, was the story, the story would be Ed did it. The shiftless that. sob, as he liked to refer to his uh, son-in-law. Well, this is good. The Bears. So the Bears' prime was in the forties, just like just like Vag's prime. Because <laughs> hers would have been about that time. Right, yeah, like yeah. maybe you have prom, prom over at the, uh, the Congress <laughs> Hotel and take a horse and boogie over to see the up to Wrigley Ooh. Field to see the Bears and the Redskins. Uh, that wouldn't be prom, I guess. Maybe a winter ball. Maybe the winter ball dance. At, uh, uh, who knows how know. they did it? How they did it in the forties? It was wartime. You had your prom, right? You could. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So the the the, the Redskin Commander count. Braves uh, football team, whatever they are. They're what twelve years younger than the Bears. They're founded in nineteen thirty-two. Yeah, not a charter franchise. Therefore, the teams have played fifty-one times. That's not a lot for hundred years. No, there's big every gaps. other year. Yeah, and there's big gaps in here because you figure they. I mean, they've got playoff games. That includes playoff games, championship games. It's a lot of playoff games, actually. The com- the Commanders lead the series twenty-six twenty-four to one. But the Bears have scored more points, 1,101 to 949. All because of that 1940 NFL It's pretty much the spread is basically, <laughs> let's see, the spread is what, 52 points. 70, if all, Bears, it swung 73 points in that one game. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah kind of proof. If you go to the Sorry. Wikipedia page for the Commanders and go to the controversies uh, section, it's uh, it, there's a lot to read. Um, a lot of carrots that open up for new new sections. 
Yeah. Stop carrots. Uh, it does say here that George Preston Marshall um, ch- uh, cheated see. the government. He says that too. Um, so he was up. their original. He's their. He was their original owner. Yeah, they <laughs> they were named after the Boston Braves baseball team, and they shared Braves Field. And the next year, they moved to Fenway Park, and changed their name to the Redskins. Um, when they hired Lone Star Deets. But basically, they decided the Braves wasn't offensive enough for George. <laughs> what could we? Braves can be anything, yeah. right? You we can need, be a gonna, guys. We're gonna need a slur. What do we got? Oh, Redskins! I like it. Let's do it. Yeah, you could be William Wallace and be a Brave. I don't understand. Yeah, let's. Yeah, so they won their we, first championship in their fifth year of existence. They beat the Packers twenty-one to six. The next year, they moved to DC, so they did win a championship in Boston. They did win one. No, I thought they lost to the Packers. Oh, you're right. You're right. I can't read. They lost the Packers twenty-one to six. So they yeah, never won. They, they never won Bupkis. In, uh, unlike, in unlike, uh, unlike, right. So unlike the, the the famous Rams franchise that won a championship finally in Cleveland, but after winning, gave the citizens of Cleveland the finger and took off for L.A. Here, uh, the Redskins just slinked out of town after losing to Washington. Not losing to Washington, but slinking off to Washington. Uh, so they were they were very successful um, in the in the forties, just like the Bears were, um, and into the and even into the fifties. Um, and uh, two months into the John Kennedy administration, March twenty fourth, nineteen sixty one, Secretary of the Interior Stuart Udall Udall I don't know if that's Morris's old man or not warned. George Preston Marshall to hire black players or face federal retribution. The Redskins were still not integrated in 1961. Uh, for the first time in history, the federal government attempted to desegregate a professional sports team. Uh, the Redskins were under the threat of civil rights legal action by the Kennedy administration, which would have prevented a segregated team from playing in their stadium, the new D.C. stadium, which would have eventually become RFK Stadium. Here's because, George Preston Marshall just planting his flag. It's 1960. He's like, I, I we should, never should have left Boston. That's probably what he was thinking. Right? Probably. Yeah, they would have fit right, they fit right in. <laughs> um, so in 1962, they didn't just become, yeah, they became the final professional American football franchise, I guess because the AFL they had to parse it that way. Um, they drafted Ernie Davis out of Syracuse, first overall in the 62 draft. And they took fullback Ron Hatcher of Michigan State in the eighth round. Um, they then traded Ernie Davis to the Browns. <laughs> He's black? Before they ever used him. Uh, they traded for veteran running back Bobby Mitchell. And they turn him into Ernie, a wide receiver. You're going to be much more comfortable with the Browns. And they drafted, and then and a first round draft pick, Leroy Jackson of Western Illinois. Yeah, well, I, there was something going on with Ernie Davis. He got sick, right? Yeah, leukemia. About Ernie Davis. Yeah. And he uh, he died without ever playing it down in professional football. I would think that yeah. for, maybe for George Preston Marshall, let's draft a sick one. Maybe he'll die, and we won't have to play him. <laughs> it's not our. F- hey, Jack Kennedy. We drafted a guy. Uh, He's dead. Do we have? Do we still well, have to play him? 
So that's that's what Wikipedia had. It would probably also be in there, but I, I know it's pretty much an established fact that Judge Preston Marshall is single-handedly uh, a tr- he's um, uh, he is the one that it would be attributed with being the most um, responsible, uh, if one man could be, for the owner's collective um, you know uh, prohibition of collective segregation, really, or just prohibition of black players and whatnot, which was never uh, articulated, overtly expressed. It was a gentleman's agreement. So shame on everyone else, including Papa Bear, who I don't think was necessarily, uh, you know, instinctively uh, much further outside of any second generation white Europeans of Chicago uh, was outlandishly, you know, prejudiced, but they all certainly went along with the uh, West Virginian, Mr. Marshall. Uh, and agreed to uh, not integrate the game. And but I, my question is, what was the gap between who was the last team? Be, like, how long did Washington hold out? You know, like Wrigley Field without lights. Like, I know like the Red Sox in baseball held out like an embarrassing like three or four years. Yeah. Like, mo- like once Jackie Robinson fell, I mean, Cubs held out for a while, but you know, Ernie they had guys by fifty three, fifty four. The Red Sox didn't. Yeah, the Bears integrated in fifty two, fifty nine. Yeah, so Hallis himself was like probably itching to do it. He went along for what he thought uh, ignorantly and you know uh, with prejudice was the greater good. But um, he, as soon as that was lifting, and I don't know, I'm sure George Preston Marshall was hopping mad, but he he had them hold the line even during World War II. So you know, but I don't think it's out of line unless somebody you know produces research to the otherwise that Marshall's pretty much the. Uh, Number one uh, mover behind football segregation in the forties, thirties, and forties. Uh, Bears also had the uh, first black quarterback. Who would that be? Willie Thrower. Yeah, I think I knew that at one time. Nineteen fifty-three. Like somebody make him up. How about what this? do you mean? This will show you just how old this this other dude was. In 1950, on October 18, 1953, Willie came, Willie came into the game to replace an ineffective George Blanda. <laughs> 1953. That's, Twenty years later, Blanda was still running around. Whereas he was punting. That's a lot. like that. That's like the Happy Days joke. No, yeah, no. It says more about Blanda than anything. Yeah. That's almost another one of those like Kevin Bacon or whatever. Just uh, yeah, Blanda. But that that's, that does stretch pretty far back. The Bears were the first team to draft an African-American player. They actually drafted George Taliaferro in 1949. Okay. George told old Papa Bear, uh, screw it, I'm going to sign with the Los Angeles Dons of the rival All-American Football Conference. Which is where the uh, the Browns, of course, were dominating it and would continue to almost dominate the NFL right away. And then the Colts and the 49ers, I believe, also came from the AFC. So it was a legit... Um, rival conference that was a threat to the NFL before the NFL was smart enough to absorb most of them. So do you think George Preston Marshall was rolling and spinning in his grave when uh, Doug Williams played quarterback in the Super Bowl? First black quarterback. That's just desserts, obviously. That's a good, that's a good call. So George died in uh, 1969. And um, how about this? The, um, Two of the guys on on his board were battling for, on their, or their shareholders were battling for control of the team. They were Edward Bennett Williams 
and Jack wow. Cook. Wow. One of whom would go on to eventually be the Baltimore Orioles owner. Am I correct? Yes. Okay. And Jack Kent would win the Redskins sweepstakes, right? Yeah, at, would... the, at the time, he was he still owned the Lakers. Of course, he owned the Lakers until he sold him to Jerry Buss. Um, you know, wow. You hear that, kids? In the world's, Those are some... in the world's greatest doc, uh, docudrama ever made. Winning time. Is that right? Oh, yeah. That's fantastic. No, those are some historic uh, movers and shakers on the whole organizational front. The Bus family, Jack Kent Cook, uh, and the other th- three named George Preston Marshall. So, the, so the Redskins went right from George Preston Marshall to Jack Kent Cook, who himself was already established as the Lakers owner until he sold to the Bus family. I got that now. Wow. Do you know? Yeah, you probably didn't watch the show. I don't think. When in time? No, I have not seen. Do you know who played? No time. Jack Kent Cook in the uh, in the show. Uh, was it the Jack Kent Cook that you and I knew in the eighties? That was like ninety years old and had like a nineteen-year-old bride. Or no? Well, no, he was. He would be slightly. Was well, this would be the early, the late seventies, and he was probably in his like. Okay. Was it? uh, uh, would it be John Hurd? No, I have no idea. Danny Noonan. Oh, Mike, Michael, Michael O'Keefe, O'Keefe got to play, and he uh, tried to he tried to sabotage the sale at the end, which was pretty good. Okay, so that's interesting. They go for they go from Marshall to Cook, and then during that time, then too, I would have to say. So uh, you said that they were still pretty good into the fifties. And then they, um, well, it seems good. to me that they, they, they sort of disappeared until uh, a little bit of a, the George Allen era, I think. Yeah, it really said they rare. were, but I don't know that they were because they, they didn't make the playoffs between 1945 and 1971. Yeah, so they went dark. Yeah. And I think what actually to, to give the history, not to, I'm not, you know, it's fun to shit on them, but just objectively, I think they had a dark age. And if, if I look through just the one loss through each season, um, third, fourth, second, fourth, sixth, third, fifth, third, fifth, second, third. So never actually fucking horrible, but just mediocre. All right. Pretty much like the 90s Cubs, but all the way through from post World War II. Um, and of course, you know, teams are integrating and I don't think that's helping the cause that Marshall is holding out through the entire decade of the fifties. Uh, they they go, they bottom out at one twelve and one in 61. That's probably what did it finished seventh. By that point, the NFL had expanded. The AFL was on the way. They were seventh place and they were pretty much had reached a historical nadir. Well, that's why they had the number one overall pick. So they could take Ernie Davis. Yes, the, the the dead black guy. So Jack and Cook could, or yeah, Jack and Cook, George Preston Marshall could move on, uh, and then some more mediocrity. But what's what sort of turned their France, their fortunes around in the late sixties, what, what was to bring them out of the doldrums was honestly a pretty inspiring move, and it was to lure the wildly successful Vince Lombardi. Uh, from Green Bay, Lombardi, of course, had achieved probably what's before and since been unprecedented success. And that would be five NFL championships in seven seasons and three in a row. Well, um, do you know who their coach was from in 1952 and 1953? I could look at it, but I'm not. You can see me looking away. Should I know the guy? Is it Patty Driscoll? Who is it? That's Curly Lambeau. Oh, former Packer. Yep. Interesting. The founder of the Packers. Not just former Packer. You know, the Packers themselves, of course, were dark in the 50s, you know, until they got Lombardi, uh, plucked him out of 
I should have known this. It, 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 things it, were so things were so good for the Redskins in the fifties that Joe Kuhara coached them from fifty four to fifty eight. Quit to go coach at Notre Dame. Is that right? Yep. Notre Dame was is he Notre not? Dame was considered. And then Dan, remember Dan Devine quit Green Bay to go coach at Notre Dame. Notre Dame was was considered a much better job than an NFL job. Even even in the fifties, of course, this is before the Jets Colts NFL title game of fifty eight, which really started to turn the fortunes around for the NFL. I want to say Kuharich's son would go on to be a general manager for the Saints who would work with Mike Ditka in his second go-around as an NFL head coach. Oh, I'm pretty so sure there's a guy who helped engineer the greatest trade in NFL history. Yes, I think Koharch was involved. Um, so, yeah, that's interesting, uh, looking at the Redskins just in the 50s. And the Bears, for just to keep you on the track, the Bears were never shitty in the 50s. Uh, they went to one championship, got blown out, but mostly were second or third, got knocked out a few times late by the Rams. Rams were pretty good back then, but the Redskins pretty much completely faded uh, from the, those those annual championship games. The Bears were becoming a faded memory through the 50s and the 60s, and, uh, and no, no, no appearances between 45 and uh, 71, like you said. It's pretty dark, pretty dark times for... Redskins. They've had seven of their coaches have been elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Wow. Though not necessarily based on their greatness with the Redskins. Well, Lombardi's one. And so is Curly Lambeau. Uh, Otto Graham. We probably didn't make it for that's his another one. Coaching. That's another right, uh, right, right. Obviously, the ones who did would be George Allen and Joe Gibbs. Yeah, and I don't know about Ray Flaherty and Turk Edwards, but maybe they did. Yeah, they did. and of course Norv Turner. Well, and then either just waiting for Chico Rivera to be inducted. True, so that'll be great. True, yeah. Um, but yeah, you know the. It is funny, Lombardi does appear there, 7-5, and five, and that's like, you look at it, that's the first time Lombardi in his one goddamn season, uh, they went, oh, they finished over 500 uh, for the first time in 14 years. Yep. So, um, yeah, he was certainly the, uh, bolstering the legend of Lombardi. Vince was Jack and Cook's first hire. Ah. He brought Vince out of retirement, and then Vince, um, he had leukemia too, right? Well, said he died of cancer. Right before yeah, the seven, yeah. right before the nineteen seventy season, seventy yeah, so five and prob- two. I love when we look back at how often teams tied in the old days. I, mean, yeah. I guess um, did they even have overtime in some? They of did years? not. Yeah. No, no, they didn't have overtime in the early seventies. They also had one point, only one point conversions, like uh, like now. So, uh, and of course, Lombardi's leading passer that year was Sonny Jurgensen, who. Uh, who was a pretty interesting player in my book. I don't know if you remember a, a feature that Steve Sable's NFL films had done on Jurgensen in the eighties, but uh, he would be a longtime Redskin. Uh, that still, was like a pudgy. He's still hanging around. He's like when he's he one is. of their announcers. He's a really neat guy. He's just an all around. He's kind of a Renaissance man. He was a quarterback. He was a little bit of a playboy. He was a young. He was kind of a funny, goofy, fucking partier guy. He was never like a huge, great athlete. He got, I once heard like somebody compare Rex Grossman to a little bit, like a pudgy guy with a really good arm. Um, and uh, it's it's almost sad for Jurgensen that Lombardi got sick because 
one of the features of this NFL things on jury. It's just a random piece, you know, as NFL films would do. And there's a thing on Sonny Jurgensen. And because uh, he was kind of a phenom. I think Jurgensen was on the Eagles uh, as a phenom a, f- a few years earlier. Uh, it bounced around or whatever, and uh, he was really hitting his stride with Lombardi. But the one year, because you know Lombardi turns it around, and George Allen would swoop in and would, in fact, take the Redskins to their first Super Bowl uh, on the back of Billy Kilmer, who was another aging veteran. But that season, Jurgensen was just hurt; it just happened to be like his Andre Dawson '89. Uh, but George Allen just really shit on Jurgensen, and Jurgensen talks candidly about it in this piece. And I always kind of felt. You know, he seemed like a good guy, and uh, George Allen always seemed like a big dick. So yeah. that tracks. Yeah, so Lombardi dies. Bill Austin is their interim coach in 70, and then George Allen gets hired in 71. Steps right in. At that point, Allen, to his credit, had turned around or sort of rejuvenated a Rams franchise or just continued. Rams were always pretty good, I think. And uh, that's what Allen left uh, George Hallis and the Bears in a snit over. Uh, Hallis, of course, was still stuck in the old times and thought he could just control anybody. And uh, Allen was able to break free and take over the Rams. And, and he turned the, he, he built, uh, he was successful there, but, you know, Allen tended to be nomadic or, or whatever and walked into the situation in Washington that Lombardi had already begun to turn around, I think. So Although Allen, that Austin wasn't going to be six and eight. Sorry. Allen was the defensive coordinator of the 63. Of, of Hallis's Bears. And he had like NFL a role champions. like that. As a scout, like he was kind of like a quasi GM because it's like, yeah, they didn't have one unless it was Muggs or whatever. Muggs was the president. They didn't. So Allen had per- Allen had a lot of control, I think. But you know, what was he going to do? The old man wasn't going to fucking officially turn anything over to him. You know, Jerry Vanese died this week. Saw that. It's one of those where it's like, it, like he wasn't already dead. Well, congratulations, right. I guess. <laughs> Congratulations for living to 2022. And I didn't know you were still around. I had the exact same reaction. I honestly thought Benicia had died already. But, but yeah, I know George Allen. Uh, it, it's funny how it all kind of like bounces back and ties together. You can, you know, you kind of cover, um, you know, Lombardi, uh, you know, leaving Green Bay and taking over. You know, you get the George Allen coming in. He comes back to George Hallis. You know, coming up through the ranks. It all, it's all one big fishbowl. But, uh, but yeah, Allen, Allen, that was probably his greatest uh, or most popular success was this period here. The Redskins so, were back. This is a different era. So it says here that even though Cook, Kent Cook took control of the team in '71, um, he was not allowed to do the to manage the team's day to day operations because he didn't live. He lived in L.A. So Edward Bennett Williams ran the team for Jack until... Um, uh, Allen was probably made Williams. GM or... No? 1977. Oh! So Jack came Edward in. Bennett w- he fired George Allen. Uh, hired Jack Pardee. And let's, let's roll, baby. I mean, he owned the he team. He, but he... Apparently he was not. Uh, he wasn't supposedly running the day to day because he was living in California. Oh, you can't do that. So he had to move. Well, first to Virginia, of all, finally. first of all, he stole Jack Pardee from the Bears. Mm. And just hire him. But wait, I'm confused with what you're just saying. There, so you're saying that uh, there was some bylaw that said that Cook not being a resident of what, the District of Columbia or 
said or, it said in the offseason, Redskins majority owner Jack Cat Cook moved to LA moved from LA to Virginia and took yeah. over the team's day to day operations from Edward Bennett Williams. But he had owned the team the whole time. Okay. And Williams was what the serving Or maybe the GM? maybe what he did, maybe he did a uh, Jerry Jones. And it's like, you know what, fuck it, I'll just be my own general manager. I'm okay. moving to, I'm, I'm moving little, I'm moving to Virginia. Because I'm about, I'm to, I'm about to sell I'm about to sell the Lakers anyway. I I'm gonna well, go focus on the Redskins. Well, wait. This is seventy-one, right? Or seventy? You, he bought the team in seventy-one. He didn't start right? running at day-to-day until seventy-seven. Was he st- was he still owning the Lakers until then, or he? Started, he owned the Lakers until seventy-nine. So he owned both teams, and that's okay. And that I'm was, a little that I'm was a little fine. confused. Just, I'm a little confused as to why how the Washington Redskins had one billionaire owner uh, that owned the team and another basketball team and a future billionaire owner and Edgar Bennett Williams basically being the general manager. Do I, is that what I have right? Is that, or was Jack, it was, well, I don't know. I mean, teams George, didn't even bother to have GMs back then. They just, was George, Al- George Allen just, had to be running the show. Is, I guess it's my thing. Is that yeah, when he was the head Edward. coach, he was in charge of all this shit. Wasn't everyone they don't list- just a lawyer? I mean, I just yes, yeah, he was a lawyer. Yeah, well, no, well, as far as relevant to football, uh, and they don't list they okay, so they don't list general manager on the like the seventy two Dolphins, the team that went to the Super Bowl. Uh, they played at RFK. Edward Bennett Williams is president, partial owner. Jack Kent Cook was partial owner. What the fuck? Kind of weird. What, what do the Bears look like at that point? So- Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Here are some of um, some of, of Edward Bennett Williams' clients: Sam Giancana. Oh, Chicago John local Hinkley, guy, John Hinckley Jr. What? Frank Sinatra. So, one of the biggest mob bosses of the 20th century, a presidential assassin, a, a, assassination he, attempter. Not only that, but he also uh, former Sinatra. Texas Governor John Connolly. Who was oh, who's also in the, shot Kennedy? in the Kennedy? Yes, by Kennedy. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Wow. Hugh Hefner. He's like the Forrest Gump of attorneys. Jimmy Hoffa. What? Like, what do you mean? Like, how is he? Like, he had to be like on a team. Like, they're in some cases tangentially related. I don't know. Frank Costello, like, who was isn't uh, Jack Nicholson's character in The Departed? Isn't he basically Frank Costello? Uh, I thought that was Whitey Bulger. But I only know Whitey Bulger maybe from, right. the, uh, might, from Johnny Depp wrong. playing him. Yeah. I only know Mark Bulger. Um, uh, hey, Joe McCarthy. Not, Joe, not the, the former the Cubs Yankees not the, manager. Not the Cubs Yankees manager. The former former commie baiter, Wisconsin yeah. Senator Joseph McCarthy. Uh, and Michael oh. Milken. Mr. Joe wow. McCarthy, who now, runs, who now shows up every year on your TV to talk about prostate cancer during baseball games. I still... Yeah. The Still Washington relevant. Post. Yeah. The Reverend Sung Yun Moon. Um, um, that's like a who's who of just like 60s, 70s uh, life. Uh, two of his best friends were Art Buckwald, a columnist who okay. famously yeah. accused um, 
claimed that Eddie Murphy and uh, Arsenio Hall stole the story. Stole his idea for Coming to America, to America from him. Yeah, and he was like one-tenth the talent of Mike Ryko anyway, so fuck off our Buckwell. And Washington Post uh, editor-in-chief Ben Bradley. Oh, speaking of Washington Post, let's, let's tie more random shit together. When I was doing my very uh, fly-by-night, half-assed, uh, half-baked research on the Redskins and Jack and, uh, and George Preston Marshall, one of the Washington Post writers that would uh, call him, I think, the bigot-in-chief, uh, always needled him. Shirley Povich, who was a longtime probably Hall of Fame writer, who's, yes. oh, of course, Whose, whose son would go on and just debase himself in one of the most ridiculous... Well, by Marion uh, County Chung? That's offensive. <laughs> oh, you mean uh, by... Uh... Having the exploitive talk show? Yeah. yeah. But no, you're right. Connie Chung, the mirroring that idiot, that is much more egregious. Um, but yeah. And that, what, um, and by the way, I looked up they, if NFL teams did have GMs in 72, they would list them. No. For the Bears, it's president slash general manager George Hallis Jr. So until oh, things, things came in. But the Redskins don't even have a general manager. So, yeah, it's clear that during their Super Bowl era, which is what it was, and the, you know they go 25 years without a playoff appearance, which is, you know, the 60 years of the NFL, or the 50 years of the NFL is a long time. Uh, George Allen is the guy that finally leads them back. For once and for all. And they went to the playoffs like four years in a row there, yep. 72, 71 to 75. And by the way, I, when I think of Maury Povich, I only I think of a current affair. I don't think of Maury. Oh, sorry. Really? Yeah. Yeah. 6.30, right Cha-chum. before us. Uh, Maybe that's why, I mean, that's why it was attracted to Connie. He was used to that. Remember that music? That boom, I remember, the, I remember the 3D triangle like coming at yeah. me. In, oh, like, I mean, 3D. they didn't spare no expense. Yeah, they I uh, call it a 3D triangle. The, the George Allen, um, uh, Redskins. Um, let's see. They, uh, they of course lost to the uh, to the undefeated Dolphins. They the did Bowl, fourteen to seven. That's the they got their seven points thanks to Garo Yaprimian playing uh, quarterback. Yep, yep. Dolphins did have a good defense, but what a ridiculous so that was seventy two. They also made the playoffs in seventy three, seventy four, and seventy six. Yeah. They lost the first Tough round luck. all three times. Yeah, we are in the air. We've brought it up before. This was the Cowboys and Vikings ruled the NFC, and then the Rams and the Redskins, and maybe once in a while, I don't know. The Cardinals had a couple of years with Jim Hart. Uh, they, they the Redskins mostly couldn't get past. I, I'm guessing either the Cowboys or the Redskins uh, or the Cowboys and sorry, in the uh, or the Vikings. And George got Lovey Smithed. 1977, the Redskins went 9-5 and five, but missed the playoffs, and he got fired. Mm. Lovey go 10 Wow. He did, 2012. Yep. And the Bears have only won 10 games once since then. Matt Niggy. God, it's been 10, 10 years, too. Yeah, well, it's- Thanks, Sandy. Thanks for the reminder. Well, hey, um... So at this point, though, the Redskins now, uh, that's a little burp. And not that we can speak as, you know, as if you were a Bears fan at that time, because now the Bears are themselves are going on 10 years. No title, but there's still plenty of luster. But they make the Super Bowl, but they don't win it. Now they're going on, uh, you know, almost four decades. The rest of the 70s, they're sort of mediocre, right? That's, uh, well, yeah, they, but, they have Jack Pardee. Of course they're mediocre. But well, then, come on! They stole him from the Bears. Party took the Bear, the party. Actually, is the guy that 
broke the Bears, what would be the Bears' longest stretch. They went between 63 and 77 without a playoff appearance. He come, Pardee comes in, you know, Jim Finks' first hire, and within three years they, they, they finally make the playoffs. And then whoever it is, Jack Kent Cook, right, just plucks him. And yep. then Pardee kind of underwhelms with uh, the Redskins, right? I don't know. He may have made one playoff team or, or whatnot. He did get – the Redskins did uh, – I think it knocked out in 79 uh, when Roger Staubach helped the Bears get in. But other than that, until they whacked Pardee and went with the next guy, um, not much would happen. Yeah, 79 was the closest that the Redskins got to the playoffs in their party, and that was the 35-34 loss to uh, Roger Staubach and the Cowboys. Yeah, and I don't think Dallas had anything to play for. So thank you, Roger, for letting – all the long-suffering Bears fans enjoy their second playoff appearance in only third and second in three years. So, in, so in '79, was Coach Dicka was he uh, on his last legs as the Cowboys' tight end, or was he their special teams coach? He, no, he he was on his last legs. There's some great NFL films if you go through the rabbit hole, dragging his leg as he's trying to run but, down the field. Well, because you know that he catches he catches a touchdown in uh, Super Bowl six when. Uh, Landry snuffs out uh, Shoeless Dolphins the year before the undefeated Miami season in which they beat these very Redskins. But Ditka catches him. Ditka also plays in the 70 Super Bowl in special teams, but he's uh, he's got some good footage, uh, like with a microphone, if you can find the right uh, Steve Sable NFL films. But long gone by 79 from the player. He was definitely a coach, probably his fifth year. He played about 72, 73, but – um, he, yeah, Ditka's up and down the sidelines. Redskins get bounced out, and uh, the Bears are in the playoffs. So, and uh, Jack Party is starting to be on thin ice. Party was the AP and the UPI NFC Coach of the Year in 1979. 77. In 1980, the Redskins went 6-10, and, and he got canned. And on January 13th, 1981, Jack Kent Cook hired away Don Coriel's offensive coordinator. From the San Diego Chargers. Is that what Joe Gibbs was? Yep. Some little. Fella I never named, knew that. Little fellow named Joe Gibbs. God, I never knew Joe Gibbs was on the Coriel tree. I, I do think Joe Gibbs is sort of somehow massively underrated in the pantheon of coaches, but we can get to that in a minute. And in that offseason, the Redskins acquired Mark May, Russ Grimm, and Dexter Manley in the draft. They started the 81 season 0 and 5. But finished eight and eight, and in 1982, they were yeah Super Bowl champions in, the, in a strike here. The Redskins, maybe that's why Joe doesn't get respect. You, you almost you had to have a strike for Joe to win a championship. Two out of his three. Good call, good call. He, uh, but then you know, no strike in '91. Um, I, I, it's always struck me. This I'm just going to throw you know we've. we've it's easy to goof on this franchise. They've had like three blips, really, of not that we can speak as Bears fans, but, uh, you know, 40s and then early 70s where they still didn't win at all. And then all of a sudden, Joe Gibbs, sort of an unassuming, uh, kind of a soft-spoken guy. You're right, 82, it's a strike-shortened season, and but, you know, geared by back by John Riggins, who himself had probably been in the league for 10 years, it kind of an over the hill game. Joe Theismann had been in the league for ten years. It's kind of like the uh, the '84 Cubs almost, but um, the Smurfs receivers and they, you know, they win their first championship in uh, well, behind almost their, 40 be, years. They won it behind the 
most valuable player in 1982. Oh yeah, they're a place kicker. Yeah, Mark Mosley. Yeah, ridiculous. What the fuck? It's ridiculous. That's absurd. Um, and Mark Mosley. Yeah, who? All we knew about then was that he was the last so-called uh, straightaway kicker. I wonder if I can find out who finished second because it's, it's got to be embarrassing to miss. We out. we looked it up. I oh, think we looked it up. Was it Walter? Is it like Billy Stims or something? Uh, no. Well, we're about to find out here. Walter was second. Uh, the top George five Rogers. finishers in MVP voting in 1982 were Mark Mosley. With 35 points, he edged out by two points. Dan Fouts. Absurd. Absurd. Marcus Allen finished third. Joe Thiesman. His mama named him Thiesman. I'll call him Thiesman. Uh, finished fourth. And Wait, who, who did you say was third? Marcus Allen. Oh, yeah. Ran for 697 yards. Second year. Like, what the hell? But player. they played nine games. And Danny White finished right. fifth. Right. Mostly for his punting, I would think. Right. It was a really strange year. You know, it just shows you with only a nine-game schedule, it was really hard to get a read on the league. You got yeah, Danny White was certainly no Roger Staubach. Uh, Peyton's nowhere near there. He's in his prime. It's just a weird year. Obviously. I don't know why. It's weird. On this list, uh, they have the Coach of the Year voting, and it goes all the way down to six, and I don't see Coach get anywhere. It is rookie year. The coach, he was turning things around. Nobody could appreciate it. What were the Bears? The Bears saying? were. Three and six? They three and six. They were three and six, but they were not eliminated. They almost made the playoffs. As I've said, they could have I'm made sure the playoffs. He did, as a, he did a better team. job than Jim Hannafin. So he was On five the and four. Jim Hannafin yeah. went five and four and got got coach of the year votes. Yeah. yeah. So did Lehman well. Bennett. Wait, was this Tampa Bay Buccaneer Lehman Bennett or Atlanta Falcon Lehman Bennett? Falcons. Oh, okay. Well, uh, Gibbs, of course, then would take the Redskins back in a regular, in a full season, and uh, and then they would get skunked by the Los Angeles Raiders in the Super Bowl, yep. and uh, the AFC would not win another Super Bowl at that point. For there would be a uh, interception. The, the turning point of the game was an interception for a touchdown by former Lion-Eye linebacker Jack Squirek. Dude, I, didn't, I never knew until... Two seconds ago, that Jack Squirek was a, was a former Illini. The Bears are wearing no orange helmets on Thursday night to honor Jack Squirek. Well, I think he honored the, the 83 happened to be the season in which his alma mater went to the Rose Bowl, too. So his, his almost, Illinois goes to the Rose Bowl. Of course, they lose by five touchdowns. But in the same year, uh, for their, their, their graduate, Jack Squirek, plays in the Super Bowl, and they win by, what, 29 points, I believe, 38 to 9. Uh, Joe Theismann and the boys got crushed. Uh, that would be Joe Gibbs' only humili- humiliation uh, and the last time, like I said, that the NFC would lose the Super Bowl for 14 years. Um, and the other interesting thing that happened was that in the uh, in Super Bowl 16, when the Redskins beat Don Shula, uh, and the uh, and the Miami Dolphins that Riggins on a fourth and one um, and it's pretty iconic. Won't be hard to find footage of this on a fourth and one at midfield. Uh, it picked up the first down and then went the distance for at the time was the longest run from scrimmage in the Super Bowl. The very next year, I'm almost positive that the aforementioned Marcus Allen uh, usurped Riggins's short-lived record uh, by doing it t- right in front of him. 
the same field as the Reds as the uh, Raiders crushed the Redskins for their only Super Bowl loss in the Joe Gibbs era. The 84 season is probably best remembered for Joe's leg bend it break going the wrong way. 85. Because he played oh, in the playoffs right. in 84. Right. Oh, that's right. Not, the before the, not before the Bears that's rattled right. his cage a few times. That's right. 85. Well, that, yes. Joe broke his leg. Lawrence Taylor snapped it in half. So, and this is where for most franchises, that's the end of the era, right? Here's we we got what we could out of this aging, annoying quarterback. We had this old John Riggins who partied his ass off. It's amazing he was so goddamn productive in his thirties playing that position. Uh, you know, let's let's pack it up, boys. And the Bears, you know, we're gonna put them out of the way. They're gonna join the 49ers. Uh, and within short order, the uh, the aforementioned bespectacled Joe Gibbs, the nerdy looking football guy would somehow reassemble a completely different team just a few years ago. Not completely different. There were probably core elements like the offensive line, members of the defense, but uh, certainly the skill positions. And if any of you out there can find me another coach that has had multiple success with different quarterbacks, running backs, and even wide receivers, Art Monk may have been the one constant, but uh, I'd like to hear about it because it's, uh, I think it's pretty unique. Because when the Redskins come back in 87, Theismann's bye-bye. Riggins in a retirement home. Wait a so you're, you're saying he had more success with multiple quarterbacks than, than Ditka did with McMahon and Tom Zach and Flutie. And oh, we watched and broke down that Bears-Giants game. I don't know how Harbaugh. any coach could, could not succeed with Tom, Tom Zach. Yeah. It's just a moral failing. Well, it's a coaching failing. But it is nuts, though, right? Like, Walsh gets all that credit as the – guru, the innovator, which in some respects is earned, but he also had Joe Montana, which, you know, a little bit of a diamond in the rough. It wasn't like it was handed to him, but um, he seems, you know, I think people sort of still think of Walsh, and they kind of just automatically without thinking about it, probably rank him higher than Gibbs. And I just, because of his contribution, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what, and maybe I'm even wrong. I don't even know if anyone even thinks it. Probably a lot of people don't spend that much time thinking about the 80s coaches, but all I think about. Well, um, it's your, uh, it's your Raymond Berry, your Les Steckel. Who's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. got a Daryl Rogers up their sleeve? But yeah, I mean, so just an interesting time. There's the Redskins. They win a Super Bowl, they get crushed, and then. Uh, we're in that era of the '80s, you know, that we've talked about. Teams were just dominant, and uh, but Gibbs rebuilds. I mean, were they making the playoffs every year? They must have missed that year that Thiesman crushed his eight. So yeah, I, I guess as far as the Bears, Redskins, '84, the Bears knock them out. '85, the Bears just do it again in one of the most enter- the most entertaining game I've ever been to, which we've kind of discussed, and we'll probably probably should just break that one down. Uh, in the future, that game itself. They played each other a lot, though, in the 80s, and it was pretty uh, pretty even. Well, let's look. Uh, my favorite, my, I think my, my favorite 80s coach, uh, Joe Walton of the Jets. Um, <laughs> See, interesting, mine was Walt Michaels, also of the Jets. <laughs> That's right. He came before so in Joe the Walton. 80s, let's see, 80, the Bears they play, beat, beat the Redskins 35 to uh, 35, 21. I remember that. 
And then the Redskins pants in the next year, and the Bears score like 10 yards in 81. 81, uh, 24 to 7, Redskins. 84. Playoffs. Let's remember that. New Year's Eve, Eve. Bears we broke it down Eve. Christmas Eve. Oh, it says 1230, 84 here. Oh, my bad. Sorry, you're right. New Year's Eve, Eve. Yeah. 23, 23, 19, Bears. Rematch 85 is the, yeah. is the Joe Theismann uh, one-yard punt game. Bears win 45 to 10. Jim and catches, a, the catches a touchdown pass. Yep. And then like two, then it was like a month later that Theismann uh, broke his ankle, never played again. So yeah, that all did happen, sort of in that window. Um, within a month of Theismann's one yard punt, he'd never play in a game again. The next two times they would face each other would uh, not be great. Back to back playoff talk. losses at Soldiers at Field, at... twenty-seven to thirteen in eighty, and on uh, January third, eighty-seven, kept knocked the Bears out. We've kept them from. Repeat get ever the chance to repeat the Super Bowl. We game. absolutely established it the last time we recorded the Bears Giants. The first game of that season, the Bears were well within their window and in their prime, and it felt like they were going to. And that's how the season ended on a cold ass day at Soldier Field. Walter Payton's head helmet in his hands. As the Redskins would go on to win that second Super Bowl with the aforementioned first ever black quarterback up years, uh, George Preston Marshall. And a different running back, who a guy who nobody could even name if I couldn't tell you it was Timmy Smith, who no, who disappeared after the Super Bowl and nobody heard of him before. And then for two hundred and thirty yards or something. Yeah, and then I remember the receiver Ricky Sanders, maybe who who knows? Didn't matter to Joe Gibbs, man. He's going to win with his old line players, whatever. In '88, though, the Bears and Redskins played uh, again. The Bears correct? chance revenge game. Here we go. Going to pay him back. But you know who the Bears coach on the sideline? I'm pretty sure was. It wasn't the coach because the coach had a heart attack. My friend and defensive coordinator Vince Tobin would have to take the reins. Well, no. I'm almost positive. Okay, no, well, there's a game no? in between there. 88. They had a playoff game after 87 because we talked about the playoff game after 86, which is 27-13. They had a rematch. I got them confused. You that were talking was about the, the 86. Right. That was the uh, – we've now – we determined in very depressing fashion that, that the only punt return for a touchdown in Daryl Green's career happened in that game, and those were the decisive points in the Bears. Lost. The 87 season Right. So then, yes. November 13th, 1988, and yes. Vince, Vince Tobin fired up the Bears 34-14. Apparently, Co- Coach Ditka was the problem, it looks like. Could have been. I, that might have been the only uh... – that might have been the only uh, game he missed. Is that right? Would that be right? Uh, probably for the eighties, it would. He came back pretty even... fast. I remember. Uh, uh, yeah, he had, he had a uh, uh, the episode happened at Lake Forest during the week. You know, because remember, I was in high school. It was big news because you know, kids bears are a big thing in the eighties. And you know, even if you're too cool to you know follow, it's like it, it didn't matter with 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 the bears. And it was like I remember between classes, like. One of my classrooms. Hey, did you hear about Ditka? He had a heart attack. No, set a hush throughout Chicago land. So that uh, November third, eighty eight was the heart attack. I could see. Oh, Go yeah, ahead. Yeah. So just eleven days later, ten days later. Okay. Um, so maybe he was gone for a couple games. Night. Then uh, next time they would meet, November twenty sixth, nineteen eighty nine. You know what's famous about that game, right? Yeah, Donnell Wolford getting blamed for the Bears losing and Dick is saying, I don't see how we're going to win another game. And he's right. And 
and he proved to be correct. The Bears, and that was the it was a shock at that point. So now we're, I hope we've given some proper perspective here. We have we've talked about the eighties in the past, but you know, eighty four the the Bears won five consecutive division titles. We're basically competing with these Redskins and Giants and Forty Nine. Not even thinking about the Packers are so beneath us. Uh, year in and year out, you know, we're 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 there from eighty four to eighty eight, and that's just the truth. And then in eighty nine, all of a sudden. You know, get off to a four and start. Hampton, you know, has to leave again for surgery. They start stumbling, and this has not happened in six years. And they lose. What did the record be after that Redskins game? Because it was like none of us would want to accept that the Bears might not be good that year. Bears were but the Bears going into the game. The Bears were six and five, and the Redskins were five and six. So the both yes, teams were six very, and six. Both teams, for the, you know, relative to their recent success, were kind of struggling at that point. So to hear your coach basically throw out this hyperbole, I don't think yeah. we're good yeah, enough to believe it. it. It's like, ah, whatever, Ditka. Yes. And, and then they lost the next week, 27-16, to the Vikings. And then they lost the week after that, 27-17, to the Lions, and uh, who were led by um, Bob Galliano. Galliano at quarterback. That's always a good sign. Uh, then they lost at home to the Packers, 40-28. to Yes. And then they went out to, uh, they finished the season, uh, New Year's, or San Christmas Eve in San Francisco. 26 zip? 26 nothing. Yeah. It, uh, it was shocking how quickly that happened. And because, again, five straight divisions, five straight trips to the playoffs, two championship, three championship games, a Super Bowl championship, and then just like falling off a cliff after, a, you know, a hot start. Uh, and then, of course, they still had that residual buzz because the Bears would return to the playoffs in 90 and 91. There was, in fact, a heartbreaking loss in 90 to the Redskins in early December. Now we're in the era where every year the Bears get off to a hot start, 4-0, 5-1, and they start fading. And they remember as a freshman at Northern, they play the Redskins uh, in December. I think there was a game where maybe Tom Zach had a whole bunch of picks. But the Bears just squandered. I don't remember how. They just squandered the game away. They were leading, and they couldn't finish it off. And then they had a bad luck. And uh, and then it just – seasons started to go like that a lot at that point. Like, they would just finish as a, in a mouse fart. So so here's a fun stat. Since that – the we're not going to win – I don't say we win another game game. The Bears have played the Redskins 16 times. How many times do you think the Bears have beaten the Redskins? Um, it's uh, the way you were asking. This is not exactly a golden era for the Redskins. Well, it's been as bad as the Bears. In fact, the Bears have at least been to a Super Bowl since then. The Redskins have at least since '91, but that's close enough, right? Yeah, because what is it? Is it less than six? The Bears are three and thirteen. Fuck against Washington since then. Can I? Can we? Can I? I can name one of them. Was 2019 the Thursday night game with Mitch? That's one of the three. They beat them three times since 1987. They beat them the last time they played them. It was on Monday Night Football, right? Well, no, it was Thursday night, 2019, right? Yeah, it was oh, a Thursday, Thursday night. night I'm sure it was. Uh, ha ha! Clinton Dix had an interception for a touchdown for the Bears. And... Okay, so it was Thursday night. I'm I'm almost positive that broke a seven game losing streak. I can't even think of the time before that they would have. Uh, I can't, I'm stopped. I, I'm floored. I can't even. Uh, oh, 2003 Rex Grossman's debut. I was there. He threw a beautiful pass to Marty Booker. Could that be one of the three? I'm pretty sure the Bears won. 
What year? It was uh, 2003, Grossman's debut in December. Yes. I That's knew, the last, I knew that was the last win until. Uh, Got it. Okay. Whew. So I was there. 27 24. It was a barn burner. It was. Uh, I remember seeing his, his pass to Booker down the sideline and thinking, wow, that looks nice. Redskins tied the game early in the fourth quarter. And uh, swervy little Paul Edinger made a 45-yard field goal as time expired to send the fans home in ecstasy. And the Bears were now 7-8. and eight. Woo! Wow. Uh, it didn't matter, Dick. You're getting fired. That, that was, was a, a huge matchup Dick of Rex Grossman against Tim Hasselbeck. Good. All right. So oh, we, a lot I, of good I, players I, in this game. The leading rusher for the uh, Redskins was Rock Cartwright. A train had a big game for the Bears: thirty-two carries, one hundred and forty-one yards. Okay, had a boy Anthony. Uh, leading receiver for the Bears was Marty Booker. Bobby Wade. Uh, there was Bobby Wade had uh, two catches in that game. Bobby Wade. David Terrell Wade. had one for twenty-two. Always drop punts. Um, Marty Booker, that'd be his, Marty's first go-around, right? Marty had two go-arounds. Was he not traded for uh, Adewale Agunier? I believe he was. But, all right, so we've I, we've randomly recalled two, or I have, two of the three Redskins wins since 87. The other one would be before 2003. Oh, I know. It was Brad Maynard throws a touchdown pass to Brian Erlacher. Marty Schottenheimer is the Redskins coach, uh, and the Bears just fun as hell miraculous undeserved but still like whatever 13 and 3 uh out of the blue 2001 playoff season that was so incredible. that wasn't even Maynard it's, I mean that was his biggest moment but he had another huge moment in the game thanks to the strategic brilliance of Dick Duran with the bears leading 20 to 13 with 20 seconds to go in the game and the bears in the shadow of their own end zone Maynard took a safety the Bears As we've discussed, got out of that trouble is and won the game twenty to fifteen. History repeating itself. We actually have done a podcast. If you're interested, if you're so inclined, where we the very first time we ever actually found an old ass game on YouTube and kind of had fun with it is a condensed uh, Bears that Bears Redskins eighty four playoff game. And in that game, Mike Ditka had Bears punter Dave Finzer do the exact same yep. thing in the same stadium because they're still playing an RFK in 2001. I I don't know why they had to resort to Maynard throwing the the big pass. Uh, Jim Miller had a really good game for that day for the Bears. He was 13-26 to for 98 yards. Oof. He only threw for for 71 more yards than Maynard did. I wonder if there's a video of that because I remember the funny thing was Erlacher was like an upbacker. I don't don't call it an upback. Uh, for field goal attempts, but he went in motion. And I remember it seemed kind of weird. Like, wait, is that Brian Erlacher going in motion? And then you know, the ball was snapped to the uh, to the punter Maynard, and he sort of stood up, and Erlacher was wide open. The only bear who caught who had more yards that day than receiving yards than Brian Erlacher was Marty Booker, seven for seventy-four. Wow. Damian Shelton had sixteen. David Des White had five. David Trell had four, and Anthony Thomas had minus one. Well, uh, you know, you know, you know who the offensive coordinator was in two thousand one, don't you? Was it the Shoop? It was. There are uh, times these this year where I feel like he's he's got he's he's cracked into the headset. 
and he's calling plays. Until, until that second half, I would have agreed with you. Third and nine, what do you think? Well, we need to throw a draw to set up the punt. All right, got it. That was his famous comment, right? He talked about how there are times when you just have to run a play to, to set up a punt. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, John, you're not, right. you're not helping yourself. Just stop. The only video of the Brian Erlacher, Brad Maynard, uh, or the Maynard to Erlacher is like coiffed from like Facebook or Twitter. Like I can't find it on YouTube, so I don't know how. Uh, well, if you, want, to, uh, if you want recent uh, Brian Urlacher video, I'm sure there's video of him and Casey uh, hanging out at the Capitol on January 6th. I'm sure somebody's got them on video. But. Oh, you know what? It was like a 25 yard. I didn't know. It was, I didn't remember it was like a 25 yard touchdown pass. 27. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. I just dropped the link. It's actually a weird thing where it shows two plays that are unrelated, one involving Charlie Batch, but 27 yard touchdown. For some reason in my head, I kind of saw it more as like a, a PAT distance. But uh, so, yeah, of course, he'd be second passing or second receiving yards. Erlacher would. You think they'd have to flip a coin to see whether Maynard or Edinger would throw it? You think if Edinger threw, he would have to do that weird thing where he turned his back, like all the way. Right, right. Into- Right. Like Paul would, is gonna, it's just gonna take way too long. Just let Brad do it. Do his own Gario Premium. Coach, I can throw it as long as I have to throw it less than three yards. Do we have one of those passes? No, we don't. So that's pretty good that we've covered the three wins that the Bears have had over the Redskins since Ronald Reagan was president. So that's good. Um, I guess the only thing we didn't really mention is that, yeah, Joe Gibbs would, of course, after the 87 uh, Super Bowl win his third one with yet a third quarterback and another journeyman. None of these quarterbacks are Hall of Famers either, by the way. But Mark Rippon. And his running back was a retreat, right? It was a, Ernest Biner was his name, main guy. You know, he had Art Monk, too. I don't know if he had Art Monk as late as 91. He did have one constant receiver. But, um, yeah, he would win it again and also contribute to uh, Marv Lee and the Buffalo Bills. uh Yearly uh, ignominy and win his third uh, Super Bowl, and then after that Super Bowl, the, the Redskins have pretty much been almost worse ass than the Bears, which is saying a lot. But as we've established before, Andy, it is shocking how many NFL teams is 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 embarrassing as the Bears have been for most of our lives, post especially post Super Bowl, that there are as many as ten franchises that are actually even worse during that time alone. Since, alone. since Joe Gibbs left. The uh, Redskin football team commodes have had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven coaches, including Joe, because he came back from all four. He did. And he took him to the playoffs again. It didn't happen a lot for him. How many of those coaches have records, career uh, records of five hundred or better for the Redskins? I'm gonna just say a big fat fucking zero. There is one. There's a gleam, man. There's a is gleam. it Joe Bugle? In oh, his let me throw one, some random Redskins coach. It's in not his North one Turner. season as coach, Marty Schottenheimer led the Redskins to 8-8 eight and, eight and got fired. <laughs> 2001. It's not even above 500. Was it 2001? Yeah. He was replaced by the old ball coach, Steve Spurrier. Wait. Oh, yeah. See, I remember Spurrier was on the sidelines when Grossman made his debut because Spurrier was his coach in college. And, uh, and that was supposed to be their return, right? Like that, It was yep. a ballsy move. Spurrier had already retired after playing on the bowl game that year. 
because I was in Florida that year for New Year's, I remember, and driving home. And I think they play. I think Florida played the championship game, got whooped, and then Spurrier was like gone, and then he shows up in the NFL. Right, and he famously he said at the press conference that uh, he wasn't going to sleep in his office. There's no reason to do that. You know, these these NFL coaches think this sport is so much more complicated than it really is. And he ran like short practices, and they didn't hit. And he went golfing every afternoon, yeah. and he went twelve yeah. and twenty, and went home. And I don't—he he wasn't wrong about a lot of that. Yeah, it just didn't work. The difference between a college and he coach couldn't and... get out of there fast enough. He was like, "Oh, this sucks." No, it wasn't even three years. I don't think it was two, two seasons, twelve and twenty, and then he was done. Oh, so Grossman—we almost put the we pretty much put the nail in the coffin yeah. for uh, for good old Steve in December of two thousand three. So wait, let me follow. Did Gibbs come out of retirement? Yeah, he did because yeah, he Gibbs had him in the playoffs in 05. Yeah. So wait, all right, let, I can follow the track because you remember who succeeded Gibbs as coach oh, when he retired the first time? We talked about it former, already. He's a former, former Bear, Bear superstar from and, from and those sixty three champions. Correct. See, we keep tying it back together. And there's a guy that a lot of meatball, the meatballs in us want to, well, we don't like that Ditka's gone, all right? Yeah. But if you're going to replace, if you're going to get anybody to replace Ditka, why not Richie Pettibone? He's Richie been coaching Pettibone. Joe Gibbs. That's funny. But Rich, Rich once had gotten, that was the right choice. Richie right. had gotten so fat that they'd show yeah. him on the sidelines, and you'd be like, he played he played defensive back for the well, Bears? I always got thrown too because you know we're sort of NIU guys. When I went to NIU, Jerry Pettibone was the coach. No, no, that's a no, different he'd have been guy. a better choice. Jerry would have been no, 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 E at the end. He would have brought right. Stacy Robinson with, and the Bears would have won seven. I was like, wait, are you sure that's Richie Pettibone or is that Abe Gibran come back to life? But no, it was Pettibone. And the funny thing was, I'm pretty sure. First of all, in in, in defense of Michael McCaskey, uh, wants to end and. In defense of Dave Wants that he was the universal uh, top choice. McCaskey actually ah, got what he wanted. Ah, the meatballs, the meatballs wanted Pettibone. Yeah. We got the better coach at the time, and actually, even at the time, it didn't matter that Wants that turned out to be a bust because Pettibone, I believe, got fired after one season. I could be wrong. He did. He went four um, twelve and got the boot. And they went with the Norv right after then, right? Right. So then they countered. You know, the Bears had proven that it was genius to hire uh, Jimmy Johnson's defense coordinator. So let's go yep. get the offensive coordinator. And they did. They hired Norv. And then the Bears doubled down again. Let's get his brother to run our offense. Norv took him to the playoffs once. He won a game. Didn't. Norv what won year? one and one in the playoffs. I don't even know what you can tell from his, what year he went. I'll pull it up because I'm curious. Because, again, this is another dark age for for Washington. Does that mean I Norv do remember had him on the doorstep of the Super Bowl? No, it had to be a wild card. Uh, well, you had him in the. So yeah, it lost, the yeah division, lost in the division. Nineteen ninety nine. That's the year that the Rams it didn't matter. The Rams. Oh yeah, the, the Redskins and or the the Vikings and Rams were involved that year. Whatever. Yeah, the the Buccaneers were at the title game, so maybe they stole the game. I do remember. There's a year in there where their quarterback was Gus Farratt, and I believe they missed the playoffs by one game. And, and a Sunday night game, Gus Farratt scored a touchdown and did some weird, awkward, like, headbutt of the goalpost, and he, like, severed his, like, neck or whatever. And he he, he headbutted the, the stands. Not even the goalpost. He headbutted the stands. Yeah, he hurt himself, knocked himself up. And they somehow, I think it was 97, could be wrong. Let's see, they were 8-7, and seven. that sounds about 8-7-1. and one. So, Norv, was, so Norv must have been the guy they drafted Heath Schuler for then? Because, you know, they famously drafted Heath Schuler in the no. first round, and then they took 
they that took was nineteen ninety four. It's something right, well, they well, would well, something they would then repeat when they drafted Robin Robert Griffin Jr. the third as Dan RG three. Yep. Um, in the first round, and then took Kirk Cousins in a late round. Ah, interesting. Um, well, his Shuler, that would have been 94, so you're right. That would have been uh, Norv's first year, assuming he was hired before Former the Former congressman, Heath Shuler. It w- and it was the same, yeah, Shuler. There was the Trent Dilfer, Heath Shuler draft. Those were the two hot quarterbacks in 94. Was, I, I assure you. basically Madison Cawthorn without the wheelchair. Is he that right wing? I don't Is know. that weird? Yeah, but look how handy yeah between between uh, between Joe Gibbs's retirement in 1992 and Joe Gibbs's return in 2005, they went uh, the Redskins uh, in those 13 years went to one playoff, didn't win, and uh, so it was Gibbs there in 07 too. Do you think of the two playoff teams? It, it's you know it's asking he a lot. He was asking a lot to have him do it. Two, the guy was two old. of the four years he made the he made the playoffs. They won one game and I and think, plus two. Yeah, so he actually won a playoff game in in 05. So it's just asking a lot, though, um, to have him. Hey, let's. You yeah, know. since hey. since 1981, only uh, only two coaches have won playoff games for the Redskins: Joe Gibbs and, and Norv, Norv Turner. Wow. That's worse. The the Bears have actually gotten playoff. Well, that's wins. like the oh. that's like our stat oh. that the only two Bear coaches have ever won road playoff games. Alice and George Hallis and Dave Wanstead. <laughs> oh, God, that, wait! Wow, I didn't really. The Red, Lovey the, never it, even coached one. We figured out. Lovey every playoff game multiple was times and never had a road game. Had a neutral site game, Super Bowl. So just to wrap it up, the only three playoff appearances post Joe Gibbs Roman numeral two in 07 was 2012, 2015, 2020. They lost well, they lost the wild card, so you know they lost the run playoff game. Mike Shanahan, John Gruden, Ron Rivera, one coach each. Um Well, yeah, the that coaches is, since it's a it's it's kind of a renaissance for the for the whatever they are. Yeah. <laughs> since Joe left the second time. They've only had five coaches, and three of those coaches have coached in the playoffs, and they've all lost. Wow. Shanahan, Jay Gruden, and Chico. Um, they've So since Joe Gibbs won, even if you include Joe Gibbs too, in the last 30 years, they've only made the playoffs six times. Yeah, they've only won in that years. same time, the Bears have been in the playoffs 04, 01, 05, 06, 10, 18. The Bears have been in the playoffs uh, three as many times. So the Bears are, are at least no worse. And I believe the Bears have won more playoff games in that time because they won in 94. They won twice in 06, and they won once in 2010. So take that. Even even in the last 30 years, the Redskins, even since that Joe Gibbs era, they're worse than the Bears. That's incredible. That's incredible. All right? Two playoff wins. Bears have more. What a low bar. Wow. All right. Well, it seems like a good time because we're talking we're talking football. So let's talk about. Do you know what next week is? NBA fans, basketball's back. Tip off Woo. the season with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any five dollar NBA money line bet and get two hundred dollars in free bets if your team wins. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings up to one hundred percent with DraftKings stepped up. 
same-game parlays. With payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is a place to bet on the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code POINTLESS. Make any $5 bet this one next week. And get $200 in free bets if your team wins. That's code POINTLESS. Only DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 or older in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. Bonus issued is free bets. One boost per eligible game. Opt-in required. Deposit, parlay, wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility in terms at sportsbook.com, draftkings.com, slash basketball terms. That just rolls right off the tongue. It sure did. Didn't even know it was coming. So now let's talk about the Washington Wizards. Well, I was going to say, so why, like, you got me thinking about basketball with that DraftKings read. I'm like, what NBA team in its history might have a, uh, a history or a logo or a team name is, you know, what would be the equivalent of the Washington Redskins? And I thought, well, the Washington Bullets. Um, certainly problematic, but I was just thinking in my head while listening to that read. If the NBA well, we're Irish. I am always been offended by the Celtics. The Celtics, right? Well, it's no fighting Irish. I mean, I yes. Why do they have to? Why, what's with the fucking leprechaun? Huh? I mean, that's stereotyping. Right. right. Why do you got to pronounce it? I guess we don't have a handsome guy with red hair and freckles and bad teeth. I mean, come on. That's right. <laughs> that's what. That's what we would rather have. Uh, let's see. Offensive nicknames. It always comes back. The NBA to NBA has more like like out of place nicknames like. Like when the New Orleans yes. Jazz moved to Utah and they didn't change it, or when the uh, Minneapolis Lakers moved Los to Los Angeles, Angeles and they didn't yes, change their yeah. nickname. That's funny. That's true. Well, yeah. Are there? Well, I, I still get confused with the whole Charlotte thing because I, I lost the thread on that. Or well, they were the Hornets. Then they yes. uh, um, the Hornets moved Hornets. to New Orleans, and they were the yes. New Orleans Hornets. And then the Charlotte, Charlotte got a new team. This is one of my favorite things. So Bob Williams, who owned Black Entertainment Television, named the Charlotte Bobcats after himself. Oh, not all right. That is the feisty feline. Then okay. the uh, New Orleans decided to rebrand, so they became the Pelicans, and so the Hornets was available, and Charlotte went back to the Hornets. Wow! So the original Hornets are the Pelicans. The current Hornets are a expansion team part two. It used to be the Bobcats. Yes. That's harder to follow than the Browns. At least I got the Browns Ravens in my head, but um, yeah, that's a, that's a bit to wrap your, your, your brain around. Almost as much as the fact that the Redskins have won two playoff games since uh, 1992. I, I think one of the things <laughs> that blows uh, youngsters' minds I know what youngsters. I know what blows youngsters' minds. Um, is the fact that the Chicago Bulls still use their original logo? And other teams don't. No, everybody rebrands at some point, or at least they change a little bit. The Bulls don't tinker with that thing at all, and it's it's a really good logo. And of course, if you look at it upside down, it looks like an alien reading a book. A robot. It does. It looks like a robot. I see a robot. Yeah, robot, robot reading a book. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, like even even the subtle touches, like the little bit of blood on the tip of the the bull's horn, you know. And of course, that guy got paid like fifty bucks to do the logo, and here it is. You know what is it? Uh, he was an old guy in the early nineties. He was interviewed. I, I can only tell you the guy was identified. He was not lost in the sands of time. So it's uh, fifty. I don't know how much years later, or whatever it is, and there's right. Well, by nineteen ninety one, it was. 
Right, but 1991, though, when the Bulls are winning their titles, that I remember. Here's the guy that came out with the logo. That was so their 25th anniversary. Years. Yes, won, the first the title. title. Right. Bulls made the playoffs the in their first season. Yeah, with Johnny Red Kerr as the their coach. Great, the great Johnny Red Kerr. We believe yes. did the same thing with the Suns. Uh, yes, he well, he would know. He was the Suns, also the Suns expansion coach. I they don't believe playoffs. he also took the Suns to the playoffs. Yeah. yeah. The other thing about that was that in the 93 finals showed you how lame fucking Phoenix was, is that the Bulls, of course, would use Rock and Roll Part 2 as their intro, probably beginning you know, early in their the ascension. You know, pretty nice. They they use the same fucking song. Like, I get how the Bulls were wow. the tra- back when Back I mean, when, like, Tommy... Animal Stories, Edwards was the PA announcer before Ray Clay. The Bulls were doing the knockout delay. They were original. I pretty they're largely original. Yeah. Other teams may have been doing it. That was a that was uh, a thing. And it became a thing across the NBA. And I'm not begrudging that. But to play the same music, like really, we're in the NBA finals. And like <laughs> it's just So my my senior year of high school was uh, full blown uh, Bulls mania. They would be on there they would win one. the championship that that summer, or you know, that that late spring, early after summer. year, after your senior year, yeah. And I got to get the town right. We, it was either at Ashton or Franklin Center. I forget which one. One of those huge towns over there near Route seventy two in Northern Illinois. <laughs> sure, was it Byron? No, no. We, uh, I forget. I can't wish I could remember which team this was. So we played them, and so um, they they for the intros after they introduced us, they turned the lights off. And they played that, and then they turned the lights back on, and they had to warm. Forever. They had to warm right. back up. <laughs> we had to stand so, there. We had to. They let, they like, let us warm up again while the lights warm back up. Oh, do you guys didn't test this ever? Have you never? You never turned the lights off and then turned them the, back the on. Old, realize it like takes the ten g- minutes. Like the old gymnasium lights, you turn them off for more than a couple minutes. It was great. Right? We just stood there. Uh, oh, this is awesome. So yeah, their 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 huge crowd of eighty people or whatever was all fired up, and then it kind of died down. Man, we'll we'll have to do some bulls remember this crap that maybe wasn't covered in the last dance, perhaps. That's a great. That's great. That was a thing though. I, I don't recall, and I watched. We all we both watched a lot of sports in the eighties as kids. Seemed like the bulls were trendsetters on that, but. I don't know what that has to do with uh, the Redskins' two playoff wins since uh, Joe Gibbs' first retirement. By the way, uh, Gibbs retired a year after his third uh, successful Super Bowl. They did go to the playoffs, but did not win a playoff game that year. So they actually went between ninety-one and whatever. They haven't had, and they haven't had. Uh, well, they had the one North Turner team, so that's the one takeaway. North Turner gets the only non-Joe Gibbs playoff win uh, since George Allen. Have we summarized it? It's probably correct. Jack Party never did it, so there's your. Uh, if you want a reason to kick the Redskins with it out, there it is. That they've out- take out Joe Gibbs, and they uh, they're pretty woeful for the last fifty years, and really most of their franchise. So the 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 Bears have retired so many numbers; they famously have to get permission now from the NFL to retire more. And I do think that the loosening up of the number restrictions means the Bears are back in business. You retire my right. numbers again. I thought about uh, that. But so the Redskins, who've been around for just 12 years less and who've won three Super Bowls and all that stuff. And, and three championships in the old era or two. Just two. Five all day, but whatever. Guess how many numbers they've retired. I'm looking at it. It's, it's stupid. Three. 
And one of them I, was Sean Taylor, who they retired because he was killed. Right. I mean, he's a great player, but I don't know that uh, given great, their other, great. given the other great players they've had, they didn't retire it. If chances are, if he doesn't get shot, he doesn't get his number retired. Well, and I'm sorry, Bobby Mitchell. Like, okay, obviously, great player and uh, and a Hall of Famer. Um, also, spent four years with Cleveland, eight with the Redskins. Yeah, it doesn't. Did not play on any other Super Bowl teams. They, none of the playoff teams. It doesn't make any. Was he the first black player? Was that what you said he was? Is that no. so? There's a talk about just he was the guy they traded Ernie Davis for, Bobby Mitchell, right? Oh, maybe is that right? Maybe that's what maybe I thought. You read that earlier in the yeah, podcast. Who knows well, I mean. his first year was sixty-two, um, so I think that. Well, I, I, I got it up. I should just no. You're right. Davis was traded for better running. So back. it's like, okay, well, here's our first black guy. Put him in the Hall of Fame and leave us alone. Like, uh, probably. And, and then meanwhile, yeah, because how oh, long into his career was it when they got him? He wasn't a rookie. He was right. He was a veteran. And so, uh, he was so in his years fifth, later. He was in his fifth season. Now years he did, later, he they, led the NFL in receptions and yards his first year, and yards his second year, and touchdowns his third year. Okay, so yeah, good. I see some. I see some bold. Yeah, very good, very good. He's in the Hall of Fame. Based on those two two spectacular seasons, in Sammy Ball is in the Hall of Fame, and he was he had probably better numbers than Luckman or close, but okay. And then, but again, granted, I just already illustrated that Joe Gibbs was able to win Super Bowls with spare parts and not superstars. But really, John Riggins, yeah, I mean, put number forty-four well, up there. I mean, what about Daryl Green? He played what twenty years for them. There's, an, there's another one, Daryl Green, Hall of Famer. I assume has to be. They won three Super Bowls. What about like the, the Hogs? What about future? Wears a sweater to a interview for a Bears head coaching job guy, Russ Grimm. I mean, it was he not was not one of those hogs. Joe Jacoby, Dave Butts from Niles West, uh, or one of those somewhere from Chicago, the Chicago area, was not one of the hogs who obviously they deserve credit. I'm sure some of those guys in the Hall of Fame, right? One of yeah. the, one of the Reds, they can't retire their numbers. They're white. Have you not noticed? Or are they being petulant? They're like, all right, fine. We're going to retire Bobby Mitchell's number. We're not going to retire anyone's number. Are you happy? Is that it? I don't know. Like the only, well, And they retire Sean Taylor's, right? I don't know. I, fine, we'll retire his number. He got shot, you know. I just, it, bizarre. I mean, I don't really care that much about retired numbers. But they have 16 peculiar. Hall of Famers who were players because they also have like George Allen, Bobby Bethard, Joe Gibbs. Um, yep. Probably about it. They put Preston Marshall. Preston Marshall. Oh, yeah. You got to reward him. Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, they probably even put Jack and Cook in, too, because he, you know, I don't he was know their how, owner. I don't know how good uh, Cliff Battles was. He played uh, for 1932 to 37. But um, Okay. Um, yeah, you, think you, no, could, he wasn't. you think you would retire Daryl Green's number or, or Russ Grimm? Um, D- Daryl Green is number one on their like whatever war is for football. By or Art way, Monk I didn't Art? I have wasn't he the all? Didn't he have the? He set the all time receptions record for them right before he got broken. He was he was kind of an ahead of his time receiver in the eighties. He was a premier receiver. He, he would help have pulled up Joe Theismann. He won. He was on at least two of those Super Bowls. Yeah. Uh, it, it's not wow. And Riggins it's, played. It, Riggins played for them twice. He played four years for him the first time, and then 
four years for you know what it was yeah he sat out a year he didn't play with anybody that oh you're right he only missed 80 so he sat out a year to have a perm and he was you know rigo rigo was a unique guy he was uh yeah so he was there for eight years it's not like he was there for three now champ bailey was only there for four they traded him for clinton portis so we're not gonna retire champs number and for fuck's sake, Art Monk was definitely on all three Washington Super Bowl. He played as late as nineteen ninety fucking five. Um, so he was on all three Super Bowl teams. He played in all four of them, and he was a great annual. He's is he not a Hall of Famer? Is he? You said you pulled this from the Hall of Fame page. Monk's the Hall of Fame, right? Yes, he is. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow, so stingy. They're the anti Bears on, yeah. on the retired numbers. I mean, and, and you know what's funny? I was thinking about it. It'd be one thing if these were all guys from the twenties. You know, like like you and I, or I, me especially, I'll bitch about how uh, you know you're going to put us, you know, talk about like retiring Mark Grace's number. But what about like you know Frank Chance and you know they didn't have numbers, but like you know or Hack Wilson, like the forgotten guys. There's no statue of Gabby Hartnett. All right, well who gives a shit? That was a long time ago. The guys that we're talking about here aren't from a forgotten era. They are increasingly as we get older. But like you know, there's a large part of the population that uh, remembers those Redskins teams from the '80s, and yet not a single one of them has been honored. And they've actually gone ahead and retired. Like I said, Sean Taylor. They jumped over that era. Yeah. For I just don't understand. It's just a weird fucking franchise. Yeah, at one at one time for a few months. <laughs> Art Monk had the record for both most catches in a season and most catches in his career. Uh, he set the career one in 92, and at the end of the year, Sterling Sharp broke the season record. But he he held both records at the same time. At one time. The 106 was in the early 80s, I think, right? Which was unheard of back then. 84. Yes. The wow. Bears, the Bears the shut him, the Bears the, shut him yeah. down in the playoffs. Yeah, that's fucking, yeah. Sent his Richardson ass home. All coked up. And, yeah. Whoa. Probably less Frazier, really. Um, wow. He still holds Redskins records for total yards, receiving yards, catches, and consecutive games with at least one reception. Yeah, great player. I did notice that the Redskins' all-time leading passer is barely above the Bears. So it's not Sammy Bow, but this guy probably took it from Sammy Bow. And that, of course, is the one Joe Thiesman. But it was only 25,000 yards, something. Again, reminder for everybody, the Bears' all-time leading passer is Jay Cutler, 23,000-something-something, 44 yards. Yeah. Well, So the Redskins aren't really much better in that department. But again, Joe Gibbs is like, fuck it. I don't need a great quarterback. I want to win Super Bowls with these spare parts. I mean, Mark Rippon? Doug Williams was a good quarterback. Uh, he was a Buccaneers. He took the Buccaneers to the playoffs in '79. So, you know, he was a he won with he won in multiple spots. You know, he had decent. You know, Gibbs had decent quarterbacks, but it is it does strike me that for all the talk that you know we need a great quarterback to win, Joe Gibbs repeatedly is like, no, no, none of his, none of his quarterbacks were Hall of Famers. Three different Super Bowls with him from nineteen eight so. from the end of the eighty two season until the start of the eighty seven season. Uh, Doug Williams played in one game. He th- attempted one pass. 
He must have gone to the USFL, right? I bet you he did. He had to go somewhere because he wasn't even he wasn't even a backup. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't retire. I can't went imagine. To Grambling, works on his degree. You sure? I'll yeah, come back, I'll come back eventually. Fo- you don't worry about it. Didn't play football anywhere. Um, that's pretty remarkable. Oh yeah, uh, again, he played for the Oklahoma slash Arizona Outlaws in the USFL. Wait, that's kind of blitz related. Yeah, it is right. Blitz switched with Arizona. We'll have to read. Was it Jeff Perlman that wrote the Blitz book, uh, the uh, yep. USFL book? Yep. I have to read that. You've talked about it before. He, uh, I need to read that. One of the things that lured Doug to the the Oklahoma Outlaws, that's what they originally were, was um, they had they managed to coax Sid Gilman out of retirement. It just says, briefly. <laughs> Doug signed a $3 million contract with a million dollar signing bonus. He was the one of the highest paid players in all of football. Years later, he recalled that he was won over when Outlaws owners William Tatham Sr. and Bill Tatham Jr. treated me as a human rather than a piece of cattle in a stockyard. Uh, let's see. He, uh, wow. Yeah, he played pretty well for them. Then he got to the Redskins, and then he was a backup. Um, and then didn't get a chance to play for basically a year. He just sat, and then he... By the end of that year, he was well, playing in the Super Bowl. Well, and I think it is apocryphal, but in the Super Bowl, he was supposedly asked, how does the field to what? What was the question? How was it phrased? Because the big thing was, this is about a year after Al Campanis puts his foot in his mouth, a night line, uh, in the same calendar year. Doug Williams is the first African-American uh, to lead a team to the Super Bowl as a quarterback. And the question, I believe, was, have you always been a black quarterback? Yeah. Is that it? Yeah. Or how long? How long have you been a black quarterback? Oh, that's what. Have you always had really be dumb? And then my only other fun fact is: Do you remember like back when the, in the late '80s when the NFC kept kicking the teeth out of the AFC in the Super Bowl? That networks would often try to launch a TV show after the Super Bowl that might take off. One year, I think it was the A Team. I think when the Redskins beat the Dolphins, NBC premiered the A Team, and then it sort of lasted for five years. Do you know the show that made its debut uh, moments after Doug Williams and the Redskins were done kicking the shit out of John Elway and the Broncos? What did they score? Five touchdowns in the second quarter of that game, but they beat them 42 to 10. Maybe maybe they scored all six. No, it's great. Yeah, it scored 35 points in the second quarter, so five touchdowns. That's what it was. 42 At, to 10. Until, uh, until a, a more famous comeback for a long time, the the Redskins being down 10 nothing in a game, they eventually won 42 to 10 was the biggest comeback in Super Bowl history until the 28 to 3. Wow. Simply being down 10 nothing yep. by a team that won 32 by 32. Yep. Wow. That was the biggest the, no team at no other team had ever been down by double digits in a Super Bowl and came back to win. Wow. And that record got obliterated. So you remember a TV show debuted that night, January of 1988. Uh, let's see. The 18th no, that was 82. Oh, sure. That was another Redskins win. Right. The hint is that the uh, protagonist... The, the, no? I don't think... That would have been after the Red Sox that the ball went through Buckner's legs. I'm not sure. Um, different part of the season. No, they. Uh, the protagonist's dad apparently resembled your own father. Oh, Growing Pains. Not Growing Pains. Um, Wonder Years. Yes, made its debut oh, at the right after Super Bowl. Uh, I guess it would be 22. When Doug Williams became the first. Yeah, my dad didn't look like. Didn't look like. I don't think he looks like. Uh, <laughs> Dan Loria. Uh, 
yeah, not as well known as Alan Thicke, but but still that was alive. his role. So. Yeah, so I remember that. I remember watching that. You know, uh, Fred Savage comforting Winnie at the end when her brother died, and I never really watched one of the years, but I was very familiar with it. But yeah, that was like a thing back then for a few years. Let's launch this new show and get this artificially inflated radio. Oh, yeah, still maybe it'll last for five years. They, they would do different things. Like like when Fox, when Fox had football, they'd do like special Simpsons episodes yeah. or something. But yeah. You said I, I. There was at one point where I could tell you more of the ones besides A Team and Growing Pains, but there were other shows that because some of them sucked and didn't deserve to be boosted. And well, with uh, with Angela Lansbury dying this week, uh, you got you saw today a lot or of, yesterday saw a lot of uh, Pat Summerall clips reading the reading the Sunday night CBS lineup and getting to murder. She wrote. I've been too busy. I've not been on Twitter. I saw him talking about how it be, it, you know, he just did it the first couple of times, and then it became a thing to see how long he could pause before he finally got to the she wrote. I want to find some of those. I've seen, I see. I we've got a kick out of those. Talked about it, but now that she's died, I did not see any summer reference. Well, and course. I think it's in Madden's that the documentary the Fox did on Madden that actually came out right before he died. It was really they talk about it. Yeah, they talk about the. They talked about how the, the funniest thing they ever did. It's like okay, I guarantee you, Pat and Tom Brookshire did funnier stuff than this. But uh, oh, Pat, you was, see that Sun, sun Bowl footage of yeah, Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds. Yeah. Pat, Pat was uh, he was reading the promo and he got to murder. She wrote, and then the Sunday night movie was gone with the wind. Nice. And apparently, Madden's like, "Well, I laughed so hard I had to leave the booth." It's like, okay, John, it's not that funny. Like, it's funny. That's pretty yes, good. That's yes. a good one. That is not side splitting. Have to leave the booth. Hilarious. True. Well, Madden had you know was prone to hyperbole. Just to bring it full circle once again, uh, I used to always think that Angel Lansbury, my mom would have a resemblance to her. Just to tie it together with your dad in the, in the Wonder Years, guys. My dad, by the way, his resemblance was Paul Dooley from uh, 16 Candles. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah. Breaking Away. Yeah. So, but, yeah, Contra- there's contra- your Redskins. A controversial thing. performance in, in Breaking Away. Oh. Refund. So, he was so fucking mean for the first That's half I- of that movie. That's ID talk. That's ID food. Got your Edie, your linguine, your fettuccine. Evelyn, we are not Italian. All right. No, I'm done. And uh, I'm going to luxuriate the fact that the Redskins have actually been a worse franchise than the Bears for the last 30 years. Yeah, that's been great. Just forget about the two. Hopefully hopefully in week six of the NFL season, they will also be worse. Might be the Bears last, Bears last shot for uh, a win for a while, so uh, might want to win. This yeah, looks that looks that way. All right. Well, I guess that's about all we can do for the Washington football franchise. I would hope so. All right. Well, thanks, Mike. Hail to the Redskins, Andy. Many of us have herpes. I just want this to be over. 